This is Slashers, your new favorite podcast about your new favorite horror media. My name is Jake, and with me, as almost always, is my esteemed colleague, co-host, and cohort, Doug. Doug, say hello to the mutant goons from beyond. Hey, all you mutant goons from beyond. You ready to get your sickness and pandemic on in this film? Dude, this movie aged incredibly well both after 2016 and after 2020. Am I right? Oh, yeah. And I was watching. I'm like, man, they, they really hit the nail on the head when he's like, he's like, oh, it's it's a pandemic. It's a pandemic. And plus, you know, all the infected kids look like Barbara Ferrer after a bit. So. <laughs> yeah. And they talk about quarantining and stuff. I was really surprised that when they were running away, they weren't like social distance, social distance. Hootie's too. Wait for it. Dude, I could see it. If it wasn't for the fact that this movie made like $5 and no one saw it except for you and me, apparently. Yeah. Well, you want to know what? This is what I always thought was a direct-to-video movie. I didn't. It was, I don't think it was in theaters. It really was. Very, very limited. It only made like $581,000 at the box office, which basically it's just you know, indie theaters and art house stuff like your Lemley's or whatnot. Yeah. Cause I saw the distributor on it, uh, Spectre vision, like a lot of their stuff, like greasy strangler, it's very limited. Same thing. It, like hobo with the shotgun was also another movie that was put up by this company. So, you know what I mean? Like the first time I seen those were on DVD. So yeah. And Spectre vision, I think they're going to be, they're a fun genre filmmaker, but I think that they really have to kind of step up the like online distribution because like when it comes to a lot of their movies, you know, uh, for instance, there there's talks of they did Daniel isn't real, and then Arch Enemy, which were both from Adam Egypt Mortimer, which apparently are supposed to be part of a Vortimex trilogy, which I was reading about, and I'm like, you're not going to get a trilogy if nobody saw the shit. And when you got Joe Manganiello and stuff like that, I feel like he has a really good nerd following. It was really frustrating to me to see like you could get it online, but there wasn't a lot of hype. There wasn't a lot of media. And it was kind of cute to see like I was able to watch a bunch of press junket kind of interviews on this movie because they actually did some. (laughs) Mm. Well, see, here's the thing. I feel like a movie like this, like I was kind of turned off seeing it before I even watched it. Like last night I watched it. I'm like, oh, this is a lot of fun. Like I remember seeing a little bit of it. Uh, here and there and like for example the poster look at your green screen on the back like it could turn people off and they're like oh this looks like a stupid movie you know yeah. what i mean but uh no i mean it is it has some some jokes in there but um there's one part we'll get into it later but i'm like oh man this is pretty serious is this more of a horror movie about uh you know zombie kids or is it more of a horror movie about being a teacher yeah honestly like so i watched it with my wife and i even posted on reddit And this is why I don't post on Reddit. So I posted on the subreddit zombies and I was like, hey, any educators or people who work in school districts here? You know, I just recently rewatched Cooties and I watched it with my wife, who's an educator, and she basically rolled her eyes through it. Does anybody have any thoughts on what they thought of the movie or missed opportunities? And I got downvoted and no one commented. So fuck Reddit. But my point is, having done some substitute teaching, having a credential in teaching, I can tell you that there's a lot of stuff that they did very well. And there's there's quite enough you know meat on the bone. Like you said, if they did Cooties 2 Electric Boogaloo, you could have a hell of a lot of fun, especially in the post-COVID world. Oh, exactly. Well, hey, you're getting a lot farther than I did on Reddit. Every time I post on Reddit, all I see is, wow, such empty. <laughs> That's <laughs> all I see. Well, and what's amazing is the only times that I get like really good upvotes and stuff is when I'm just a snarky shithead. Like there's a uh, there's a subreddit. So there's there's squared circle, which is a pro wrestling subreddit. And then there's SC jerk, which is squared circle jerk. And it basically makes fun of the people in the other one. And so whenever I post on there, I feel like the coolest kid in the room. I'm like, yeah, I am funny sometimes. But if I post in like the squared circle, people are like, fuck you, die. Your opinions are irrelevant and your dick is small. Oh, yeah. No, that's the fun thing. See, you should post in one group and then post in the other group saying like, oh, look at this asshole. Here, make fun of him. It's like just. That's me, you know. What I mean? Dude, that's a brilliant idea. Just pin them against each other. And I won't even use different accounts. I'll use the exact same username and see if anybody catches on. Yeah, you'll get those snap. They say, hey, he's trolling. It's like, no, how can you troll yourself? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't exist. Honestly, it, it would be so great to give some people some humble pie who are being smarmy and looking down at others. And it's like, you didn't even catch this dingus. But uh, speaking of dinguses, we're talking about cooties this week. The whole theme of this month is hack to school but we're doing school themed horror and we figured this one would be our home ec class for the month because it's fucking grotesque and we could have done anatomy and there are a few other ones pe for instance but 
whatever. Pick whatever one you want it to be. In fact, here's the thing. If you have a better idea than home ec for cooties, you send us an email at slasherspod at gmail.com. And if it's more clever, I'll let you know. And if it's not, I will ignore you like plenty of emails that we get. <laughs> well, I mean, I could see this one as home ec or uh, crossing guard duty because he's just Dude. taking mushrooms in his car the whole time. I thought that was the funniest part. That's some <laughs> really good. So one thing I will give credit to. So the directors of this film are the same directors who did Becky. And this was their first film. Mm. I think that this movie is better than Becky in a lot of ways. I think it also struggles with the same pacing issues where that middle second half, or I guess the last part of the second act is really slow, but then it picks up at the end and has a good punch. When it comes to a very effective way of utilizing people and sets and actors, like you could tell that they had the dude from Lost for 15 fucking minutes. So they shot everything that they could in the van and then they were done. You know, they had the kids and, you know, when you're doing these like montages, that way you don't have kids and actors unions and specific labor laws. You just get the glimpse of the kid. Uh, so I thought that was very, very, you know, sophisticated for amateur filmmakers at this point. Oh, exactly. And uh, yeah, I mean, they, they got a full cast of co- uh, comedians here, too. Some of them were just like uh, like the, the one the, the guy's name is Doug, but it's the um, trying to remember- why now. Lee Rennell, Dude, yeah, the guy from he is Saw. amazing. Yeah, he plays a good weirdo. <laughs> he, he and then Ian Brennan, who do, worked for Glee, he did uh, the vice principal. The two best characters in the movie are those two characters. And it's so funny because they remind me not of like the way that they are, but how fleshed out those characters are. Reminds me of like Bill and Ted, which started off the writers of Bill and Ted did improv. And those were characters they created. So like the imprint of them as a person and a writer on the character i love those characters i'm so glad they kept them for themselves mm-hmm. no, exactly yeah. well any other uh well there's one joke in here too i thought was pretty fun there's a hobbit joke in here so, so. <laughs> elijah wood fought to get that out but then he as a producer of the film realized that you kind of had to keep it but apparently that's completely improv by rain wilson oh really so he didn't want that in there i didn't uh, know that <laughs> I mean, imagine the whole guy's career basically just became The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. And it's hard because before that, he was the f- kid from Flipper or, you know, like people have the, that branding associated. And so I I love Elijah Wood. I think that he's great. I think he's very charismatic and interesting. He's a genre file, which I appreciate. And tell me if this is your impression. He's like the older kid who just borders on being hokey but still pulls it off yeah i mean for th- for like for this movie here i mean there's all these other characters and actors that uh, kind of overshadow him a little bit because he, yeah. he's playing the straight man here you know what i mean like elijah well i, I recently just watched the uh maniac remake and oh yeah yeah elijah was really good in that you he's know, great the stuff you see him in yeah, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, no, this one here, he, he is kind of like, but the genre file is great because he produced one of my favorite movies, uh, Greasy Strangler. So he knows his stuff. Yeah. And honestly, like other things that he did, like, you know, I don't want to live in this world anymore and, and daddy's home and stuff like that. It's so nice because it doesn't feel like, for instance, when Jim Carrey started doing serious films like the number 23 or the Majestic, it doesn't feel like I'm trying to break out of a mm-hmm. character entity it's it's more like this is who i am this is what i like to do this is the art i create and whether he's behind the camera doing producing or in front of it i think he brings a lot to the table um and he is really really good at being a a straight man and being like a normal dude so much so as i'm watching this i'm like you have to think that kid ben feldman from cloud nine superstore whatever the show is called had to basically copy and paste this character of clint right Mm-hmm. The, I'm too smart. I've escaped this world and I'm just kind of settling back. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the, the whole life thing is that you can kind of relate to him. Like he's like, oh, yeah, I'm, a, I'm from New York. I'm a writer. <laughs> uh, and then he's really just teaching. But here's the thing, though. I I, I mean, I understand because the pay grade's low, but everyone in this besides everyone in this movie being a dick, they really just rip on teachers so hard. I mean, I know it's kind of like, you know, it's not the most gracious thing but like is being i mean i'm not a teacher so i wouldn't know but is being a teacher really this this like spiteful so this is a really interesting part and they brought it up and i actually i put some notes about it there's Mm -hmm. a great scene where rain wilson talks about the perception of teachers you know you, you hear the expression those who can't do teach and he directly addresses that and he's like, and also you want me to like watch your kids and i think that that really resonates 
again, post-COVID, and I'm sorry that I'm conceptualizing this. Maybe somebody will listen to this episode in 50 years and go, why does he keep talking about that? Well, we're still living through it. But the idea of you know, when people had their kids go to homeschooled education, people lost their fucking minds and were willing to let their kids die of a fucking infectious disease because they just didn't want them in the house. And when you realize like how much work goes into being a teacher, it is crazy. And so many people are like now realizing it because it's not just educating your kids. It's also childcare so you can make a living. So I feel like they do a, a, a lot better job than I expected and that I remembered of addressing that where they're sympathetic to an extent like they're all eccentric characters but they're all to a certain extent understandably so like like you know republican lady she keeps bringing these things up because she feels victimized you know she brings up you know weapons because she's at risk and so like it's not just you're you know a vicious asshole does that make sense oh it does yeah well that's a that's a lot of input to take in my brain's frying (laughs) Well, it, it's interesting to me because like, you know, going to Jack McBrayer, there were a couple lines in it. Like when it starts off with like the gay partner tennis joke, I was like, that felt a little dated, not terribly so. And then when it gets to Lee Wynell, like the fact that it's, you know, like he's just kind of a guy with a broken brain. Um, those ones are kind of the weaker justifications, but I feel like everybody else has a really good motivation for being who they're at or where they're at. Really interesting to watch this after watching slither last month because there's like even the school setting where they park was very reminiscent of where elizabeth banks parks her car and then michael rooker's like if you remember that movie (laughs) oh yeah no i remember that movie and uh well i gotta give kudos to this movie too because there's also a scene with a karen soccer mom that uh, she's on her phone not paying attention and uh, she gets killed by her baby so kudos to you cooties Honestly, and I think that was a very, very deliberate choice in that. Uh, did you catch how fucking shitty the sound mix is on those sound effects in the background? I think that that was purposeful. I think they did that because they knew that that's risking losing the audience. And so doing terrible sound effects is like, okay, it's not too real. It's not too gross to kill a baby. And then you get the punchline of the baby killing her. So I think that was very cleverly edited together. Do you think that was deliberate? I, I do think so. Yeah. Cause it kind of sounds like, uh, yeah, she's like, yeah, go, what are you doing with your brother back there? And, uh, yeah, it's, it's cartoony. It sounds more Looney tunes than anything. And then you see the baby kind of stand up and at first I'm like, Oh, are they actually going to show the baby? Are they going to go human centipede too and show the baby getting crushed? But nope, nope. It's a zombie baby. Same thing. Like it's, it's on par with, uh, that, that baby, uh, the baby from dead alive. So very much so. And especially you see like a side profile with a little bit of red. So it's not, I mean, I doesn't think that it like you ever risk jumping the shark with that. Let me ask you this. Did you see the Lapita Nyong'o little monsters that came out a couple years ago? I did not know. That's uh, yeah. That's the one that everyone confused for. Is that, is that the one with the uh, want them, want them, need them, need them? Yeah. I'm like, no, not that one. <laughs> not with hand sanitizing Harvey Mandel. No, mm-hmm. I loved that movie. And so I was kind of worried, I'll admit, in going back to rewatch this, because I liked this movie. It wasn't like anything mind-blowing. It was just fun. It was a good, good, you know, popcorn movie. And I was worried because I really liked that one so much that it would make this one look worse by comparison. Now, I can definitely see how that movie improved on some of this stuff, especially when it comes to pacing and everything and sympathizing with the kids and making that, you know, just more symbiosis with the teacher and the student. Uh, but honestly, I think that this stands alone. And so I didn't, I was gracious to myself. I didn't sit there and just compare the two. Yeah. And uh, I mean, and this one's goofy enough to where, like, like I said, the poster in the background just kind of threw me off when I first seen it. I'm like, ah, one of those movies, yeah. but uh, no, it's a lot of fun. And it does take, it. it's not as like, like <laughs> my perfect recommendation for like a horror comedy that just fits perfectly is like return of the living dead. Where yeah. It's still scary, but you're kind of, you're laughing at the situation with the, that those characters are in, but those characters are taking the situation uh, seriously. See, when I saw before I saw this, I thought the character was going to be like winking at the camera, joking, and it's like, oh, we're in on the joke because Return of the Living Dead is not like this. But no, uh, yeah. you know, lucky enough, I mean, there was jokes here and there, like, oh, you know, uh, she's she's getting eaten in the uh, broom closet with the kid. What do we do? I uh, just leave her in there. Yeah. Um. So some of that stuff was like, oh yeah, you know, it's poking fun. It's not. It's a little too on the nose, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, for the most part, it's an enjoyable movie, and it's on Tubi and Roku for free. So yeah, yeah watch it while you can. 
And one of the things I think is very interesting about the script writing is you have so Lee Winnell did Saw, Insidious, very you know successful monetarily. He also wrote and directed Upgrade and The Invisible Man. And one of the things I think is great about pairing him with the guy from Glee is you know you get kind of the best of both worlds. And now let me say this: I don't think Insidious is the best fucking movie. I think it's an incredibly successful horror movie. And I think that's a great thing that you get with the tone of this film is it's it's very good, again, at being a lowest common denominator without alienating anybody. It doesn't go too gory for the, the sensible people. It doesn't go too safe for the freaks. It's a very good kind of checklist for all of them. I think that the issue with the film is the filmmaking I think the script is very serviceable. Yeah. Yeah. The script is very serviceable. And, I, and like you said, with the rain Wilson doing his improv, in fact, the one I had the most problem, I was annoyed with rain Wilson the most. I don't oh, know yeah? if it's because he kind of, I don't know. Like I, I never watched the office. I've seen maybe bits and pieces. I'm not a big an office guy, Okay, but um, I see, I recently seen some uh, behind the scenes footage of uh, what was a Juno where it's a deleted scene where he was playing the uh, gas station clerk. Okay. And he, he's a dick. Yeah. He's a dick. To, he's, he's like, oh, why are, you, why are you getting this girl? Let me do it. I, I'm in the office. Da, 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 da. I'm just better than you. I'm like, what a what an asshole. So he kind of played this character like he was in real life, uh, you know, behind the scenes on Juno. Interesting. Yeah. So check it out. It'll, it'll make you kind of if you like Rain Wilson, that might uh, deter him from uh, like, oh, that guy's an asshole. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I followed him. I think he does something with Zach Anner called uh, Soul Pancake, I think is what it is, where it like basically, you know, these kind of videos about religion or whatever i don't know i always get worried when i see those behind the scene things especially after i saw it i think it was randy quaid dennis Qua- dennis quaid where mm. they, they basically made a mock thing of the christian bale terminator salvation where he's like get the fuck you i'm gonna kick your fucking ass and so he's like acting and he's like this fucking dickhead blah 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 and then it shows a different angle where you realize it's all a bit and there's literally a guy in a dick costume have you seen that i haven't seen that no no i'm curious i'll have to youtube that and it, it's interesting because it's like there's so many factors that go into these things. You know, my default setting is I have no th- there's just no excuse for being inhospitable. If somebody's giving you their time and they're working hard. Yeah. It's, when you see these ones where it's like Christian Bale's like literally yelling at a guy for fucking around on a set. You know, if you're standing in water for 12 hours and you're uncomfortable and you're tired and he's probably starving himself to be able to keep a, a sexy, trim aesthetic. Like there are things. But I still have a hard time with that. So you just saying that I'm like, uh, rain. Ew. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's not. I like I said, they show it's maybe a five minute clip, and he's just saying like, I'm the actor. I'm the only real actor. Da, 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 I'm on the office. Oh no. Da, 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 da. And I'm just. And then he throws. Um. Uh, who's who's the person that uh played Juno? I'm I'm drawing blanks on there. Well, it's Elliot Page. It was Elliot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Elliot Page and. Uh, yeah, and he's like, he's like, oh, get a real actor next time. She's no, and then he gets like a candy, or she she gets a candy bar and throws it at him because she's pissed. Really? And, he, he, and he's like, oh, really? You want to go there? You want to go there? I'll fucking. He's, he's like just going crazy. I'm like, man, he's acting exactly like he does in Cooties. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. So you listeners out there that are listening, uh, you know, if you like The Office, uh, type in that Juno behind the scenes with Rain Wilson. Uh, maybe it'll change your mind because I'm like, man, that that's an asshole. <laughs> so. Oh. Well, let, let's move on. He's made my butthole yeah. pucker. Aside from being in House of a Thousand Corpses, he doesn't have a whole lot in terms of horror for his credentials, right? No, he's just kind of living off the Bob Ross. Well, kind of like Bob Ross fame, you know, where it's like, oh, I just my my face is on lunchboxes and stuff. So I'm making money that way. I just realized he's done a lot of DC voice acting, which is something that a lot of people who become like eerily recognizable do. Even Elijah Wood has done a lot of voice acting. He did Over the Garden Wall. He was Spyro and stuff like that. It's a very clever thing to do. Like Mark Hamill did not escape Lou Skywalker. Like when he was in like the Giver and had a mustache or when he was in body bags, like there are a few things he tried to do that were off kilter from Luke. But eventually you just have to go, ah, fuck it. Just let me talk into a microphone with a silly voice. Yeah, well, I mean, he did do a good job on the Child's Play reboot. I, I liked uh, Mark Hamill in that oh, a lot. I loved the Child's Play reboot. People were so just shitty because it looked bad. I was like, it deliberately looks bad. Like, I felt that was a very specific choice. If they wanted it to look good, we have facial animatronics since Ninja Toidles that are better than that. I think the point is that it's supposed to look shitty and eerie and creepy 
but also look like a mass marketed product. Oh, exactly. I mean, it's basically just making fun of Amazon and uh, Jeff Bezos and you know all that stuff. Because that's basically, you know, I, I saw they haven't released it yet. But uh, back when I used to work um, for for Best Buy and Geek Squad, they had it advertised. But I think since COVID, they stopped. But they were supposed to have Alexa dolls. I'm like, isn't oh, that a child's no. play? That's <laughs> a terrible that idea. Play? Yeah. Just imagine like the headlines. It would be like, oh, child spends $27,000 on Barbie accessories by conversations with her Alexa doll. Fuck out of here. Yeah, sit down and it's like, all right, Alexa, what can you do now? She's like, oh, let's kill mommy and daddy. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's on our shopping list. Yeah, exactly. Would you like to buy rope and a spade? So uh, back to the film itself. Who's your standout? I mean, We've already. I don't really care for Rain Wilson so much in this. He has a couple of good moments, but he, it's a. This is a Danny McBride. This is. I mean, there's so many people. This is interchangeable. It's a, as an archetype. He really doesn't do anything for me, even when he has the badass moment at the end with the uh, nap time, motherfuckers. Yeah, you, it's funny you said that because the first thing that popped in my head because I couldn't make out who he was because he was wearing the hand stuff. I thought it was Danny McBride at oh, first. Yeah, because yeah, he's got like that beer gut now. You know, yeah. but uh, yeah, the one who stands out for me, honestly, like the one I was laughing at the most, uh, the guy from Lost who was sitting down yeah. talking to the giraffe on shrooms. I'm like, oh, that, that's funny. Now, I wish more movies did that. You know, show me that character's perception at the time, because obviously he's alone there. Right. But I love those moments where you break from reality and because that's the difference. That's that's why film is fun. You know, like that's why we're going to see a film instead of a stage play, because you couldn't do you could do this as a stage play. It'd be really weird. But you get what I'm saying? Like the visual trickery you can do. So I wish that more people leaned into it. Yeah. Yeah. And the funny thing was too, like the little visual cues, like every time it cuts to him, he has. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't think it, I've tried shrooms one time, but for some reason, when I tried it, I always wanted a uh, tub of peanut butter. And there's a there's a scene like later on when it cuts to him, he has a spoon and a peanut butter on the side. I'm like, holy shit. It's wow. like, does it just like, holy shit. He's they, these writers must have knew. Seriously. <laughs> Yeah. Psilocybin must have a very specific point and purpose. Yeah. So, so, uh, Jif peanut butter, you know, the proud sponsor of shrooms. <laughs> yeah. I got to give it to honestly, Ian Brennan's character is the assist, the vice principal, really, really memorable considering how incredibly brief his time on screen is. Like when he does the finger guns and is like, probably shouldn't do that. Uh, really good. Uh, one thing that I'll give a lot of the characters credit for. You know, they have some despicable elements, but did you ever watch Vice Principles with Danny McBride on HBO? I have not. I watched like two episodes. Wasn't for me. And I was a big Eastbound and Down guy when that came out. I love the Righteous Gemstones, but Vice Principles was just not, I was not going to like it. It Tonally, it was weird and the characters, and I, they just weren't likable. That's a, a, There's a very big thing to me about making my characters likable. If they're going to be deplorable, we at least make them a likable character. And I think this movie makes the characters mostly, even if they're you know formulaic, likable. Yeah, I mean, and they did a good job trying to make the kids all seem like dicks. Every single fucking kid in this movie was yeah. like an asshole. I'm like... You know, if I was in school, I would have got the shit slapped out of me if I called me. <laughs> right. what, what did he say? What did he tell Elijah? What eat a dick? Yeah. So, you know, I'm just like, man, like, wash your fucking mouth, out, kid. So I got to say, it's hokey and dumb. But when he does the eat, I think it's a cock, eat a cock back a cock, does, yeah. with the trailer hitch at the end. I was like, that's good. Because I, I love those last action lines. Yeah. Yeah, no, I do too. And uh, yeah, a little homage to uh, the hitchhiker from Creepshow too. You know, when, that yeah. kid, when the kid gets pushed back uh, on the hitch and then gets smashed behind the tree, that's that's some good uh, hitchhiker stuff there. So yeah, th that had some good gore in there. And uh, this is one of the few movies that you can see where it's like you bask in like, ah, oh, yeah, these kids are getting chopped up. I like it. So Yeah, it, I mean, a, a certain part of you always wants more, right? More gore, more violence. But I mean, it also is a budgetary constraint. Originally, they didn't have the budget to do the whole flaming jungle gym of doom and, you know, the shots out, like away from the school. Apparently, at one point, it was proposed they would drive to like a cabin and there would be a swarm of kids that would be encircling the cabin and that would be the end. But then mm. they were able to get more budget. So, you know, it always comes to what's at hand. And now it's one of the frustrating things about independent film. 
I could not for the life of me find a reliable source for a budget for this film. Did you see anything? I didn't see anything on my uh, endeavors too, as much as Wikipedia is an endeavor, but uh, you know, but I mean, Hey, they did a good job because the school and everything, like it definitely felt like a, an imprisonment, you know, watching this movie. It's like, man, is school really this like prison? Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you can't escape. So, well, I always love a good excuse to close off a world, right? You know, so often it's like, Oh, I don't have cell phone reception. So like when it's, you know, cabin in the woods and it's all very deliberate. Okay. That makes sense with this. When they take the phones. Okay. It's deliberate. When you have the you know policy, we don't do phones. It explains why there's no landline. It's deliberate. So, you know, you fall into those scenarios and it also is a good way of making fun of kind of like pseudo new wage bullshit. So I mean, that closing a campus, literally lockdown, those things work. It kind of helps you get around like the logical gaps of like people just being, like, hey, I'm just going to abandon my kids. But then by that point that you're like, oh, people should have been picked up from school. There's already shit going on elsewhere. So that's that helps a lot. Yeah, I'm trying to think of some other stuff in here that we could hit on. So, like I said, tonally, I think you said the same thing as Becky, where like in the middle, it kind of like tapers off a bit. Yeah. Um. So you get all these jokes and 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 you know one liners and you know the goofy stuff going on with like the zombie kids, but then it turns really serious when uh, when Elijah Wood uh, goes into the, uh, the 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 heater vent. Yeah. And then they're having that logical conversation and she's crying. I'm like, man, this turned into a drama. And they're talking about the whole thing. Like, oh, school, you know, I was never a writer. Da, 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 da. And I'm just like, man, this is totally this movie changed. I was watching. I'm like, hmm? but that's that's one of the things that's frustrating is the words on the page you could see working. It's the way it's done that doesn't really work. Right. Because like, it, you know, the the characters and their motivations and everything that revelation if not played so straight and so like solemn could be kind of fun if she is kind of creeped out but this movie and i don't know if you listen to the starship troopers episode you probably should because it's fucking amazing but Mm. uh, on that i talked about in the filmmaking originally denise richards character got with the guy xander then got with johnny rico at the end and people in the test audiences were like no 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 she can't be a floozy and then be a floozy to the flooziest. And that kind of happens in this film with Allison Pill, where she's like, I'm floozying, I'm getting kissed by Rain Wilson, and there's no definitive end game. Did that bother you? Uh, it did a little bit. I was hoping Rain Wilson would have died, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's weird how that happened because I was I'm like, oh, he's alive. Eh, okay. All right. Yeah, whatever. But uh, yeah, because like I said, the, the tonal thing is like they're making jokes about like, uh, you know, Lee Wanell has like shit on his hands and so he's like, and they're like, oh, that's so gross. That's so gross. And then you get the scene where it's like, we need to talk. Yeah. He's an asshole. And I'm so sorry. I've always loved you. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And one of the things that's really interesting is they do the reversal of expectations even in that conversation when he's on the floor of the bathroom and she comes in. And he's like, how come she never smiled at me like that? And he like poetically lets her go. And then he's like, go fuck yourself. So within that scene, you have the whiplash. But then within the architecture of the movie, you have the whiplash. So it gets to be a little bit much. It's kind of talking out of both sides of your mouth at a certain point. Yeah. So a great way to put that there, talking out of both sides of your mouth there. I mean, that's pretty much how it is here, too. So we'll see how this movie goes, like when, uh, you know, everything kind of opens up. Well, I know Florida is kind of like this, so I feel bad for aid. Yeah, so. seriously. <laughs> yeah. If ugh. the idea that you could so easily do a sequel to this and have people just be like deniers, like, no, nah, it doesn't happen. And then you have people like Joe Rogan eating fucking dewormer and being like dewormer or save you you save your money on your diseased chicken nuggets you got on discount and then you put some wormer in. even when i spend the money on the wormer and the nugget it's still cheaper than your organic shit yeah see this will be much more entertaining and you can probably even get a cameo from alex jones saying Cody, <laughs> that don't exist you need uh, my filters my filters my filters gay frogs yeah th- th- that's no disease these co- cooties are turning the freaking frogs gay or the reptilian shapeshifters. That's what these cooties are. Yeah, but in this film, it wouldn't be uh, chicken nuggets. It would be pizza and Pizzagate. Yeah. Interestingly, I did read that Elijah Wood did think that there was a mass conspiracy regarding child molestation in Hollywood. But given that he was a child in Hollywood, it's less speculative. And I give a little more credence to that. It's still a little cringy just to even conceive of. Yeah, well, you want to know. I mean, look at the Jeffrey Epstein stuff. 
I don't know. Like, yep. I, I I don't think he killed himself, but that's just me. I'm like, I'm like, there's uh, this goes a lot deeper. Yeah. Like Harvey Weinstein and all that, you know, fuck them. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's sad to say, but when you have so much power and money, you know what I mean? Uh, you basically run everything. And it's sad to say, but, you know, the, I got to sign on Elijah Wood with that. <laughs> yeah, honestly. And I don't, it, that's a serious tone. Going back to the Rain Wilson thing. Mm-hmm. Before I forget, because you had mentioned it, like you hoping he died. Yeah, he should have died. Him coming back for the rear wheel joke one more time doesn't like it. It was an ending and a resolution that gift wrapped itself. And then they just undid it. Yeah. Well, see, I kind of wanted Elijah Wood to go all Rambo at the end. Like he kind of learned his lesson. He's like, yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I'm, I may not be the hero. I, you know, I'm not a hero. I, I like Apple products, but here I am. I'm going to fight these, these kids in this, uh, this play, this playpen area. Yeah. That was a funny joke. He's like, I'm no hero. I, I, I get excited over Apple products. That's a good one. And especially with his fucking satchel. But you know, yeah. I, I like that he uses a hockey stick to kill a zombie, big fan of hockey, but I kind of almost wish that, you know, cause Allison pill gets really feral at a certain point. And I think mm-hmm. that him yielding to her would have been fun. You know, there being like an alpha in that kind of relationship or something, but just to give that role over to the other guy entirely. I mean, how many movies do you see? There has to be like a sacrifice, right? Look at Day of the Dead. Look at Dawn of the Dead. Look at, uh, you know, Shaun of the Dead, even with David dying. It, it adds a, a certain gravitas to what you're going through. And given the fact that, I mean, really, the movie's pretty bloodless when you consider the subject matter. Eh. Oh, what what cooties? Yeah, cooties was pretty bloodless. I mean, you get some cool shots with the gore and stuff, but um, which one are you talking about, uh, Shaun of the Dead or? Well, no, like so. I, I'm saying like those ones specifically, adding the severity, the violence, and everything. This is already rated R. It's not like you're going to get around that. So that mm-hmm. it's not as though they're like worried about the MPAA here. But my my point is kind of like it, the battle at the end when they're using a symbol and a. a, a fast pitch baseball machine uh, that's not violent enough for really what's happening we're talking about like life and death and so you know you get away scot-free it it just kind of takes away some of i guess the fun of it because you know the violence in a movie like this the capricious element of like being able to escape and survive is kind of like the point right yeah exactly and uh, yeah it's weird it's funny you brought that up too because i was thinking about the same thing it's like zombie comedies like you see a lot of them now um and they're still making them to this day but i don't think they ever hit as hard like for example i think what made Shaun of the dead so great was that it was serious the zombies were yeah. regular zombies like like romero zombies but it's just you these characters are just kind of you know, drunk guys that want to go to the pub and uh, it, it's got gore in there too. Like when David gets ripped apart and stuff. Yeah. Um, so this one here is a little bit different. Cause I feel like the zombie kids are somewhat goofy. I mean, it's, yeah, it's tongue in cheek. That, that's, that's what makes it different there. So it's still like, like this cover here where they're all kind of like swinging like that. It's, it's up there. Like it knows what it is. It, there's some winking at like the whole Hobbit joke and stuff that makes you break the fourth wall pretty much. Yeah. So. Well, I think that this is something where like a more skilled filmmaker at the time, especially like a tandem, you'd expect more dynamic action. And so they could have done almost like a John Wick, very frenetic crank style action set piece at the very end. And I think that would have helped a lot where even if it wasn't necessarily gory, it would be violent. And I think that could certainly help. Were you disappointed by the Ritalin Adderall stuff where it's like introduced, but then there's not really the payoff you would kind of hope? Yeah, I mean, I thought uh, that's what it was going to turn into. It's like, oh, like, like the Martians from uh, Mars Attacks. Or exactly. Something. But no, it just kind of like sedate. I don't it, it It was built up like I felt like it was a joke. And then, and then they kind of forgot what they were writing. They're like, oh, yeah, we had Ritalin in the script. Yeah. So I guess we'll just kind of avoid that there and just set them all ablaze in the in the, in the playpen area. <laughs> so, yeah, a little disappointment. They could have really went for that. But then, you know what happens? Uh, maybe they were afraid of getting sued by Big Pharma. I don't know. That honestly could be a possibility. I was surprised that they dropped it by name. I, you know, you could just say your anti ADHD medication or whatever, and that would have gotten you there. But like, imagine this scenario: you put all the Ritalin and the Adderall and the fucking Super Soaker, and you're shooting it in their mouths that way. Then they're docile enough to where you don't have to worry about getting bitten. You get some cool gory attacks. You just put a little dummy there and splatter its head. You don't have to pay a child actor. This is this writes itself. Yeah, and yeah, you're right. Like, wh- what did they do there? Because I remember at the end there was a cool fire stunt with a kid on fire. Um, at the very end, that's a at great. At the very part, end, yeah, where it chases yeah. the truck. I'm like, that's good. Yeah, so I'm like, that's no CGI or nothing. And I could contest. I mean, granted, I, I just did a fire stunt uh, for Killer Waves too, but uh, it wasn't as 
crazy is I think they set that kid in gasoline or something, but yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully the kid was, you know, annoying. I don't think it was a kid. Yeah. I yeah. think it was a little stunt actor or something. So, <laughs> you know, very often I read Ebert's impressions of the films that we do, but very rarely do I ever repeat them on the, you know, review itself. I think that he had two really good points I wanted to, you know, mention as we're talking about kind of the deconstructing of the filmmakers. He says, Millet and Murnian's uncompromising directorial debut is the type of movie to also sabotage its visual potential, creating a plain genre event out of a unique setting and hoard for its zombie apocalypse. I think that's the great point what we're talking about when it comes to action at the end. It is a very unique, different, fresh setting. And it's the same thing of just like, I'm run, just let's run. Yeah. See, you know, it would have made this great if at first, like, cause uh, I thought they were going to bring in a lawnmower. So I thought they were going to go yes. full like, dead alive because I heard so the noise good. going. Yeah. It's like, they're going to lawnmower all the kids in the play. And, and if they don't, they just kind of run. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, Oh, come on, make that big gory finale. You know, one of those things where if I knew what the budget was, I could be more sympathetic potentially. But if they had money that they didn't use, I mean, I'll, I'll be completely blunt. Justin Raleigh's the guy who did the makeup effects for this. He's done stuff for Westworld, American Horror Story, and Army of the Dead. So he obviously knows what he's doing. But I mean, I know the budgets of those, and I know his work is adequate for those budgets. I don't know what the budget is here. So I don't know how much MacGyvering he did to do the effects here. So it's just, I would love that little extra oomph. Another part of the Ebert review. Cooties keeps a playful attitude. There's no jolt of surprise to be found within the teacher's group of various survival shenanigans. They are simply relocated from one location to the next with inserted shots of hungry kitties providing neither horror nor comedy to their journey. Kind of yes, kind of no. I feel like that's very true for the narrative of them. I do think that the gory vignettes we talked about are good. Them doing, you know, a jump rope with the entrails and stuff, the, the bloody handprints on some of the playground equipment. Again, working around your child actors. What do you think? Do you think that's a fair description of like the narrative arc for our teachers? That actually, yeah, yeah, narrative arc for the teachers. Yeah. And it's sad to say it's like, yeah, that kind of hits the the review right on the head because they are like in one room, then they're in the library and then they go to get that kid, uh, the candy bar, which is like the the basement lounge area. So, yeah, it is just kind of one room to the next. And I grant, like, like you said, I don't know the kind of budget they had, but I mean, I understand if it's like, you know maybe a million dollars or less where they spend most of it on effects or something. Yeah. Uh, Cause like, well, we got this school for two weeks, so let's see what we can do with this here. Um, there are some good gags here and there. Like the one guy's like, I, I know how to survive. I'm in CrossFit. That's so good. <laughs> I laughed so hard when they said that you know, as a straight edge vegan guy, the th- you know, there's a classic joke of like a straight edge vegan who does CrossFit walks into a bar. Which does he tell you about first? You know, there's all sorts of jokes like that, and just oh, it's so good. Yeah, I'm a vegan CrossFitter. What are you? Yeah, you know. Well, it's funny at at the camp. Um, well, the 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 gym that I go to right next door is like the competing CrossFit one. Yeah, and uh, they all kind of come out like uh, you know, I mean, the people at the camp area, they're all just like, yeah, you know, we're 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 doing boot camp and stuff. The other ones come out with like their uh, seven dollar uh, vegan green smoothie. Like, oh, oh, you're doing those. I'm in CrossFit. <laughs> I so. never. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, you're you're getting your hands dirty by doing push-ups on the cement. Oh, maybe you should join CrossFit. Uh, mm, mm, mm. That's what they do. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, <laughs> the elitism and the gatekeeping that happens in fitness blows my mind. It's like, do you just want the best for people? I don't know. But anyway. I agree with that. I agree with the guy dying being one of the funnier points. I don't know if I've talked about this tremendously on the show, but anytime I watch one of these movies with my wife, I always put notes when she laughs uh, because I find myself laughing a lot more. A couple of the ones that she laughed at when Doug slaps the brain on the floor and he does the Rebecca, please be quiet. She Mm. thought that was very funny, which was a good bit. When the kids are like popping their drugs really quick in the Edgar Wright style vignette, she laughed out loud at that. Uh, Rain Wilson's running made her laugh out loud. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, she didn't laugh at like a lot of it, but I think that a lot of it's kind of, like you said, it's a little negligible when it gets to uh, here we are, there we are, boom, boom, boom. I feel like if there was more of a thrust, a point and purpose, and I get that zombie movies 
you're trying to do the situation, especially here, they don't say zombies, right? So it's not like, like, oh, we need to barricade ourselves like in Dawn of the Dead. It's like, oh, what do we do? It's this aimlessness. So I get aimlessness to a certain degree, but also like, give me a motivation. And you'd expect like the candy bar would be a great motivation. You'd expect the cell phones to be a great motivation. But again, the filmmaking just doesn't feel strong enough where it's dire circumstances. And I, mm-hmm. think, like, I think that's uh, being a little bit pussyfooting around the severity of the film. I think they're trying to make it a little too family friendly there in the sense of like, they're not visibly stressed to the point of like trembling. They're just kind of like, oh, this is what we need to do. Yeah. Someone dies and like, they make a joke. They're like, oh, well that happened. All right. On to the next room. Yeah. Like if I died and I was right next to you, you'd be a little concerned. Not, not really, but just a little. No, I would. And that's why I keep bringing up like the return of the living dead differences. Cause that's serious. Like all those characters are like, scared for their lives they're not cracking jokes when someone dies except the second movie but uh Ugh. you know <laughs> uh well what did i compare that one to monster squad <laughs> dude the wolfman's got nards documentary is free on tubi right now so that's uh one of the good ones and funny enough, speaking of tubi that's how i watched it this time uh there was a great commercial for shingles inoculations and it had some really great uh, special effects on there so if you watch this on tubi to follow along with your old pal slashers you might see some great gore effects but tom matthews him in return of the living dead is fucking perfect for your horror comedy because he takes everything so seriously but that's the great part like it's it's funny because it's this cathartic breath of relief as you're like oh it's not you know there but for the grace of god go i I'm not in that situation, but that's like a fairly realistic. If you were literally finding out that you were dead on the floor of a warehouse, you would shriek and freak out and yell. But the way he does, it's funny because you have this very safe frame around it, right? Yeah, exactly. And same with James Karen too. Like when he's about, he's like, what do we do? Uh, uh, We call the boss. And he like sits there and like strings his hair. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of how I thought these, these characters in, in cooties well, maybe if they acted more like that, where it's like they're legit freaking out instead of like making like jokes when someone dies. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, or, or have the one character do that. You know, you have the Doug character do that. Doug got a little bit muddled towards the end. I think that there was a little bit of like improv on set. He's obviously the most funny character, but sometimes, you know, I'm a huge Abbott and Costello fan. And mm-hmm. let me tell you, Bud Abbott needs to get a fucking medal because Sometimes the way you can be the funniest is by not being fucking funny at all. And so sometimes to service the film overall, sacrificing some of those like lesser comedic beats is better. And so, you know, when he gets to the weird, uh, you know, I I always wanted to have sex with a a, a prostitute of a different race. That's completely (laughs) antithetical to the other stuff. Like like when he has the Velcro and he's like, and my uncle lost his liver to cancer and his brain to his divorce or whatever. How was your weekend? That's fucking funny shit. But like it, it, it varies wildly. Am I am I making sense? Because the rest, yeah, of the, yeah, yeah, definitely. No, you are because like you said, Abin Costello and my favorite. Sto- I love the Three Stooges. Like they're they're like my like top tier. But my favorite Stooge was always Larry, and Larry was the Perfect. reactionary guy. Yes. So, you know what I mean? Like just the facial reaction, like that's, that's kind of how, like, I wish these characters were more of like the reactionary ones. Like, Oh, yeah. they, cause that's fun. You don't have to say a joke. You could, you could do the joke visually with, with your facial reactions or how you react to something than, than saying something. I think that's funnier for, you know, cause you're watching a movie. So less dialogue, more showing how it is. Cause that's yeah. funnier in the end. And, and you can watch it over and over again and then pick up and say, Oh, you know, that makes more sense now. So, well, and, and yeah. to your point, especially when it comes to watching, violence unfold larry's great because he makes you realize this fucked like moe's hurting curly like this is serious and you know it's severe and he breaks that tension by being aware of the tension because you're kind of addressing it and kind of moving forward and so again like having somebody react like how uncouth is it to make a joke at a corpse that was killed by a child it's not the best and so maybe having somebody look at that person and judge them like that's a little fucked a little, a little too soon, you know. A great one again from Return of the Living Dead, Don Calfa, Ernie, mm-hmm. like the you know crematorium dude. He does a great job of being very like freaked out and very somber, but still getting comedic beats. I you know now that you put that in my head, I'm sitting here thinking of the movie. I'm like. 
fuck, if we just recast this entire film with Return of the Living Dead characters, this would be a fucking amazing movie. Yeah, or, or characters that don't rely so much on like, uh, you know, their office fame or, or like kind of because the thing is, I feel like they're playing themselves a lot of the ways. Like some of the um the, the blonde guy in the back, like he plays that same character in every movie. Oh, Jack McBrayer. Yeah. Jack, yeah. He played like in Tim and Eric. Yeah, it's it's the same character. So I feel like they ripped them all out of these uh, sitcoms and just stuck them in place. They're like, OK, have fun riffing on these gory uh, kid zombies. So I'm like, and you know what I mean? Like so there was a script. But I'm sure they got a lot of like, oh, well, you're a comedian, so make it funny. Yeah, I will give you that. So um, now that we've now that you've said that, I'm looking at my cast of characters from Return of the Living Dead. I think we need to do a recast right now. Obviously, Tom Matthews replaces Elijah Wood, right? Mm-hmm. Easy. I think Clue Gulliger, who plays Bert, would be a great Rain Wilson. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, coming in like I'm going to knock his fucking block off. Yeah. So, you know. My pitch, check this out. I think you're going to like this. Stoner crossing guard, Miguel Nunez Jr., the owe them enchiladas guy. Oh, yeah. And then on the side, you could have a peanut butter and then some enchiladas on the side. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be awesome. (laughs) And he's got the same van he has in Friday part five. So, yeah, there you go. Yeah. So he's got that in there. Yeah. No, Miguel Nunez. Yeah. I don't know what he's doing now, but he's got to come back. That's uh. Yeah, whether it's enchiladas or uh, Return to Living Dead, you know, for sure. Uh, with Allison Pilt, luckily, you know, there's only so many things you can do. Uh, Linnea Quigley, trash. I think she could do it really well. Uh, also, blonde in real life. I don't know if I'm ruining anybody's fixations. I was fixated with redheaded flat tops for a long time. Not her actual <laughs> hair. Well, I mean, uh, that's what that's what dye soap and water will do. So, you know, it's easy to do it. Just just try to convince uh, your significant other. It's like, can you can you cut your hair like a flat top? Like when your wife goes to get a cut, she's like, how do you want it? Uh, a little here. Just turn um, the sides. G.I. Joe, maybe. <laughs> I got some orange paint. What do you need this for? <laughs> well, it is pumpkin spice season. So there you fit. go. Can you believe that in August they already had this pumpkin spice? Fucking ridiculous. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a victim to that, too, because I already had two. What? <laughs> yeah. Fiend. Uh, I think Don Kalfa could play like four or five of these characters. I really think that he'd make a great Doug. Yeah, he would. We basically, he was playing Doug because yeah. he's kind of doing the whole. He's like, oh, hey, examine the brain. The autopsies, and, uh, this, yeah. 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 No, Don Kalfa would play a good Doug. Uh, let's see. Who else could we cast in here? There's Jack McBrayer. I kind of want to say suicide just because I think that Mark Venturini doing like the kind of effeminate presentation would be funny. Do you have a better one? Uh, no, you actually hit that on the head or uh, uh, Brian Peck. Well, see, Brian Peck in Return of the Living Dead, he was just kind of another reactionary guy. Like yeah. his stuff in there was just kind of reactionary. So I don't think he stood out as much as Scuzz. But uh, who else could play him there? Possibly the uh, the. You know, it would be funny if he played like the uh, the, the military guy, the one okay. that's at home. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there you go. I think that's actually a pretty dang fair one because that that rigid posturing. I think that the double entendre of gayness would be a lot funnier if it's delivered by like, you know, a ostensibly hetero guy. Right. Who yeah. Like a, like a proper straight guy. He's, he's on the phone talking. He's like, oh, yes, that's that's my that's my boyfriend's balls. They're great. They're soft. They're fine. They're balls. Everyone likes balls, right? Like, just imagine him delivering that line. <laughs> I like his firm balls. Like, <laughs> uh, and then when we get to the vice principal, I think I saved the best for last when it comes to this uh, recast. James Karen, I think, would do a great job with it. Oh, James Karen would do great. Yeah, <laughs> just coming out saying like, "Well, I am. I, I'm the vice principal. We try to do things come. So hand me your phone. Thank you. You know, what I mean? he's trying to be cool because he plays the the vice principal pretty much the same way. It's like he's trying to be the cool guy. Yeah. Like like when he shows uh you know, Tom Matthews, like, "Hey, look at the basement. We we got some corpses from the military there." Where he's trying to be cool and trying to impress exactly. You know, the new hire, so. There you go. That was actually the, my sole basis was that scene of being like, I'm not supposed to show you this. Like I could just see him be like, oh, I'm not your normal vice principal. You know what they say when the vice principal's away. God, that's some good writing. Yeah, exactly. James Karen would fit that role perfectly. So yeah, he passed away. Did he pass away? Yeah, I think he did. Yeah, yeah. Clue Gulliger's still alive. I seen him right before the pandemic. He he goes to he used to go to the new art theater screenings at midnight for the midnight movies. And he'd always be sitting in the front row, even if it's a movie he's not in. He'd be sitting there, and he'd always have a set. He'd be sleeping all the time. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, 
they must maybe grew up in New York and needed the hustle and bustle and all that noise to sleep. But Karen lived in 94. So, I mean, not a bad life uh-huh. overall. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a bad string of luck. He let out the zombies at his job. And then he also uh, sold a house filled with corpses underneath uh, and poltergeist. Yeah. Now, um, poltergeist reminds me of poltergeist. The opening to this film with the green filter on the chickens. I was like, could you think of anything else? That I the exact same thing popped in my head. I'm like, oh, this is like those uh those uh flavor pods from Poultry Geist. Yeah. So he's like, yeah. And, and so I have to say this: if you haven't checked it out already, Jason Yashannon of Poultry Geist fame, who was previously on this show, check out his book, The Mysterious Happenings, at Two Morning View. There you go. Yeah. So you got the references there. You get the same poultry guys burgers. I wonder if I'm sure Elijah Wood has watched poultry guys uh, before this. He had to have because yeah. he's into all those like crazy like uh, he's on he's on this you know, criterion has a uh, has a channel on YouTube where they have like these filmmakers or actors going in showing their favorite movies. And I remember Elijah Wood going in going and uh, there he was talking about sweet movie and sallow. So I'm like, man, this guy knows his uh, bizarre cinema. Well, <laughs> And he's in Toxic Avenger, the new one that they just finished that's, shooting. I'm so excited. That's right. Yeah. Well, I hope. See, Toxic. Okay. Now, here, here's something for you. Would Toxic Avenger remake work with this style of humor? Or do you think it needs that seriousness like the first one where it's like not so much because because this isn't on Citizen Toxie's yeah. par, but like how the first Toxic Avenger is where it's it's almost it's pretty serious uh, besides some of like the overacting characters. But and I think that's the perfect way of putting it. It's absurdist in a very visceral and severe way. And I think that's what the movie needs. And I think that it is possible to recreate that magic. I'm very cautiously optimistic given the people who are involved and the things that I have seen and read. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt, but I could also see it being a colossal failure to try and do that because it's so one-to-one comparison. You know, I, I've been comparing, I, I, going back to pro wrestling, pro wrestling's come back into my purview because everybody's like, don't say a punk, you're straight edge, you're straight edge, you gotta love the fuck with CM Punk. And so I saw there's a thing where CM Punk's gonna go against a guy, Darby Allen, who has his face painted. And then there's Sting who has his face painted. And Sting is like the mentor of this other guy. And I'm like, well, then why the fuck am I watching the other guy? Sting's already there. Like, so it's it's really hard when you put, you know, transpose the two things. You're giving me one thing that's very similar, but I have a sentimental affection for. And another thing that's just sentimental that I don't have an affection for. When you put it that close, it's really easy for the original to win, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's that's the good thing, too. Like, like Elijah Wood being in this and when the Toxic Adventure comes out, like the remake, <laughs> I mean, I loved, I got him tattooed on me. So it's like one yeah. of my favorite movies. But the thing is, there's so many ways you can go because the first movie is totally different from two and three. Oh, yeah. And two and three are different, totally different from the first one and the fourth movie. Because the fourth movie is kind of, it's its own tone. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. So it's like the remake. What the hell is it going to be? Is it going to be like cooties or is it going to be something more severe? I, I don't know. <laughs> I hope that it's just severe because I, I think that's one thing that we can all kind of agree on is this one. But I mean, also, when you think about the budget, it might not be able to have the faculties and research, but there are people who are attached to it. At one point, J.J. Abrams was talking about it. So, I mean, it's it's I just don't know. There's a lot of uncertainty there. Yeah, And then I saw Peter Dinklage is supposed is Peter Dinklage playing Toxie. That's that's, that's what, I what I've read. And I could be amazing. That's one of those weirdness things where it's like, yeah, that could totally work. And it's also one of those weirdness things of like Marlon Brando saying he should voice a puppet. That's a sandwich. You just don't know. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm excited for it. So we'll we'll see. Cooties was kind of a good, uh, you know, entry point for something that, like, totally, it's 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 tongue in cheek and it makes fun of itself in, in the films. But it's not as as goofy as some of those other films. Like, there's some other film. Well, okay, what's another film like Cooties that uh, you would recommend it, tonally like this? Oh, hardcore! It has to be Little Monsters. I love it. But uh, here's actually a better one. So I was thinking of like rom com zombs and stuff like that, and comparing it to those isn't as good. The one thing I would really like to compare it to is Cyst. Remember, we did a whole mm. fucking month on Cyst last year. I love that movie. I love uh, Travis. I love Jason Douglas. I love everybody was so gracious with their time. Eva Haberman, so beautiful with their time. And I really got to immerse myself with it. And every fucking interview I did, I was like, hey, I love the runtime. Thank you for keeping it short and simple. If you cut 20 minutes out of this film, it's a banger. 
But mm-hmm. if you don't, I mean, if you're going to make me sit through the dumb shit sentimental scene, you better give me something gutsy at the end. So that's my big comparison is if you like this, but you don't love this, you'll love cyst. What about you? Uh, yeah. So this one always falls along the same line of um, uh, it, it felt like super. You ever watch super? 100% James Gunn, yeah, baby. James Gunn. Yeah. Cause that's one where it's like, it, it does have its gore, but then it also has like the, the tongue in cheek kind of winking at the camera. It's like, Oh, we're going to make, so that's what it reminded me of. And rain Wilson happens to be in this movie yep. too. So maybe it, maybe it's just him improvising, but that's what I, I, I feel like it felt like um, a lot of, cause it, here's the thing. Elijah Wood almost gets overshadowed by all these characters. I kind of forget. He, like he's there, but he's just like, Oh, I'm here. I'm the book writer. And um, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting though, because the fact that he does is kind of the point, but I, I think that, a, you know, that's a failure of filmmaking and stuff because his performance is good. I like it quite a bit. Yeah. And uh, you like the little references to like Stephen King. He's like, oh, the guy just wants to fuck his boat. Oh, my God. <laughs> so- the Christine line made me die laughing. And my wife was like, what are you talking? And I was like, shut up. Um, but I, you just brought up something to my mind. So after Juno, Rain Wilson was in Super with Elliot Page. And that was mm-hmm. three years later. So I'm wondering if there may have been like a tongue in cheek, like they were fucking around when they threw the candy bars at each other. I'm hoping so, because that just sounds toxic and awful. Yeah. Well, he was yelling at the director of Juno. He's, he's like, yeah, yeah, fucking asshole. Like, you just got to watch it. I don't want to. It's negative. And it made yeah. it made, gave me a sour taste in my mouth for Rain Wilson. But maybe he's come along his ways. You know, you never know. People could have bad days. You know? well, that's uh, funny enough. That director, Jason Reitman. Jason Reitman, obviously doing Ghostbusters, but he also worked with Elijah Wood on the Princess Bride at home fan recreation bullshit. So that's cute. Mm, Everything comes around, motherfucker. Yeah, maybe he was just having a bad day. We stuck on 405 traffic or something, you know, honestly. I'd fucking hate my life if every day somebody came up to me and was like, beats, bears, battles. I'd be like, shut the fuck up. I'll break you in half. (laughs) All right. Word of advice for all you listeners out there. Don't do the. <laughs> what would they do to me to harass me in the street? They'd come up and go big bug. Boo. <laughs> yeah. It's like, stop doing that. I st- But see, the thing is, if you tell people that do that to you, stop doing that. I don't like it. they're going to do it more. Yeah. And that kind of goes to works. Elijah Wood leaving the Hobbit line in because he knew he's the butt of the joke. But that's what the people want to an extent. Yeah, and that's what made him go crazy and uh, do maniac. So <laughs> there we go. It all comes around. Now, how would we harass you on the street, Dougie boy? If if any of our fans see you, do they just run up and start doing the Karen voice? The ki- yeah, but it's speak to you, manager. Or uh, I don't know. That Boomer or- Doug. Boomer Doug. Like, hey, Boomer <laughs> Doug. Hey, what are you doing all there? <laughs> uh, the, that gas is four fifty. Back in my day, it used to be ninety eight cents. We used to eat oil metal with our hands and sandwiches with white bread, and we used to enjoy it. Now, like you damn millennials, you know, just doing that Buck Flowers voice, and you know, I'm like, hey, but see, I, I don't really get annoyed by stuff. I'm like, hey, what, what's your? Uh, let, let's go get a coffee. So you annoy me, I'll say, yeah, let's go get coffee or something. I actually watched a thing on Reddit where it was like two kids fighting, and a guy comes up and he's like. You're just acting like fools for each other. You know, these kids are just sitting there laughing. I've always thought that would be the funniest shit of like somebody coming up trying to antagonize you. And then you like just dissect them on a visceral, like psychological level. Let's break down your motivations for trying to harass me. Like, have you hugged your parents lately? That would be a great TikTok. (laughs) Well, usually like when people come up and I mean, no one ever really comes up to me, but people who are just kind of assholes. I'm like, like, what's your problem? Like, I'll literally just say it's like, dude, what's your problem? Like. Are you trying to like piss me off? Like it's not working. Just leave me alone. You know, what I mean? that's happened at like a few conventions and people just don't shut up about stuff. Like just random things. Like I'm like, oh, it's, it's like being stuck on a bus and, and someone's having to conversate to you and you got to kind of interact with them and give them that fake smile. It's like, yeah, I'm stuck with you for this ride, but <laughs> yeah. shut up. You know, and that's usually when I'll bring out the phone and be like, oh, hey, you know, I got to take this call. Oh, I'm the I'm the king of the fake phone call. I've had mm-hmm. dialogues that went back and forth for an entire. And then at one point, check this out. Pro tip. Pro tip. If you're ever going to do this, fuckheads, screen cap your phone at least once when you're in a phone call. That way you can click that image and then hold that up to your head. So if you hold the phone away, somebody sees the phone lit up. It's the phone call. So they don't suspect, hey, that person's not on the actual phone. Learn to be anti-social buttholes. 
Yeah, that's thank God for AirPods. You know what I mean? That's like the international sign oh, yeah. of ant- just stick those in your ear, even if you're not listening to anything. Sorry, but, say again. Huh? Yeah, I'm going through so, it. <laughs> I'm having this very important meeting. Um, but but you want to know what? You get those people too that try to talk to you with headphones. Oh my God. And I'm like, there's some lady that walks her dog down the street where, and she gets mad at me when I walk my dog. And she's like, my dog barks at your dog here. I'm going to tell HOA about it. And, you know, you, no one should be walking their dog when I'm walking my dog. And I wear headphones. I wear these bows once here and there's noise canceling. And she's Humble saying brag. stuff. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and she's just like this. And I'm just like, hey, I don't know. And I'm smiling and she's yelling at me. I'm just like, hey, you know, I know she's bitching at me, but uh yeah. Noise canceling, as in you're canceled, as in cancel culture. Take it, Karen. Boom. There you go. Yeah, Karen. Uh, <laughs> too many Karens around here. And I'm going to start decorating for Halloween soon. So I'm waiting for the for the old Karen next door to say, you're decorating for Halloween. Your place is an eyeshore. Yeah. That's what they always say, an eyeshore. My parents would let me go buck wild like the day before the day of Halloween. So I, at one point, I think I had like 30 dummies out in the yard and I had like I gathered rebar. I don't even know where a kid finds rebar, but like I staked it into the ground so I could have like zombie like people coming out of it. And one guy like, you know, taking a header into it with like his body sticking. And I do all sorts of crazy shit, but I only got like the one or two days max before people, you know, complained. Yeah, people, people. Yeah, you got to back up into them. The people that complain, it's got to be like that kid that's like eat a cock from this movie yeah now if you'd like uh this is a shameless plug for us i have an idea for a halloween costume i desperately want to do but i can't justify monetarily so if you would like to supplement our income you can go to coffee.com patreon or you can just venmo me cash i want to be a sentinel and i want my fat baby to be wolverine and (laughs) i think that would just be the best fucking couples costume ever what do you think Yes, yes. Donate to the foundation of Bubba Shmoo. He needs a <laughs> What's your dream mashup costume? You and Marge, what are you doing? Oh, me and Marge. Yeah, that's right, Marge. You, you know, funny story about that. We we went to this uh, restaurant called Pancakes R Us. And, uh, you know, they said, they're like, what's the name? And uh, I was I was talking and I, was, I always call my girlfriend Marge Simpson. It's just a, a joke. And so they wrote down Marge Simpson on the paper. And so they come out and like when our time was up, Marge Simpson table for two for marge simpson and everyone just starts laughing and it's like you don't understand who marge simpson is that's the joke but i I think the power couple outfit i wanted to go as jeffrey franken and she wanted to go as frankenhooker oh it's so good yeah she's like i gotta find those boots though those those uh frankenhooker boots those are kind of hard to find i think those were custom made want a date yeah going out looking for some action so we walking around and uh, yeah, stuff like that. She or she. I mean, the, the other thing, too, is like she always looks like, oh, let's go as Tiffany. Sorry, my dog's having a spasm attack. He needs some. He needs that uh, super soaker with Ritalin so. <laughs> or, or with the legally distinct ADHD medication generic brand. So we don't get sued. Yeah. So so Ritalin, we're not talking about you. We don't want you to sue us like the the Kowalskis do on the Bob Ross documentary. So oh my God, <laughs> I, it's on my watch list. I'm just so scared to watch it. It's it's very sad. And you'll you'll hate you'll hate Bob Ross Incorporated. You'll love Bob Ross, but you won't like the company that does it because, yeah, they're basically like you can't use your name and we owe money for everything. And that you basically is, you know, it's stupid. Watch the documentary. I You get Doug's recommendation for that. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Frankenhooker and Jeffrey Franken. That's that's an idea. Or um, well, this I'm sure I don't know if you guys are familiar with Joe Castro, but uh, he invited me to go to this Halloween uh, event. And uh, it's it's nude zombies. But I guess your penis is like a giant uh, kind of like the, the cuttlefish of Cthulhu. Oh, yeah. Um, bar, so it's like that. So you can look on, on Joe Castro's page. He does like a bunch of crazy makeup effects. He even did the incel a little baby oh, cool, incel cool. puppet uh, that we did. He's like, yeah, you should do this like this nude zombie walk and like and I'm like, okay, I'll do it as long as I get like a 10 foot schlong attached to me, you know, then I don't have to nice. embarrass myself out in public. <laughs> and your brother recently actually drew the incel puppet in the B movie TV thing he did for us, right? He did. Yeah. He drew, um, he drew all of that. So I'm like, Hey, you want to whip up something? Cause Nick likes uh B movie TV. He literally has it on his TV all the time. Yeah. Cause he does, uh, he does paintball. He runs a paintball place up in San Luis Obispo and he does art and, uh, 
graphic design. So if you ever need anything, hit up my brother. It's a fats man. His name is the fats man on the Instagram. So I'm a fats man. Sorry. Well, he, 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 he's a big fan of fats domino. So it's nice. doom and fats domino. He always tries to make his art like doom meets fats domino. So you know what you should weird. do? You should make a parody account where you're chubby checker instead. How about that? Oh yeah. Battle of the obese. Mm. <laughs> Where like basically it's one round of combat and they get tired and fall down. Yeah. Oh, McDonald's break. Oh. So uh, speaking of B movie TV, Douglas, let's say I just can't get enough of you, babe. Where do I find more of you, babe? Ah, uh, yes. So you can follow me at Doug Bizarro. That's my Instagram and on um, B movie TV. So if you have a Roku Friday night action is a show I host at 8 PM. So we got a bunch of crazy movies. We recently got an influx of um, a 1960s violent uh, Western spaghetti Western film. So we're showing a lot of that. Uh, yeah. And then uh, Roku. So it's a bunch of free movies and stuff like that. Great stuff. And uh, I recently did an interview with Jonathan Doe, who did uh, the film Barf Bunny, and who also runs Cinema's Underbelly on YouTube. So a bunch of crazy, extreme, uh, kind of forgotten films. And uh, we, I'm going to be showing that. We're going to try to show Barf Bunny on B-Movie TV as well, too, with, with uh, along with the interview I did with him. That's awesome. And we'll be putting that out this month, if I'm not mistaken, with our hack to school stuff. Yes. So it's good stuff. It's crazy. So if you guys are you know into like extreme and like underground cinema, uh, definitely check out Cinema's Underbelly on YouTube. It's great content. Yeah. What about you, Jake? I, I happen to like Saturday nights and I like horror movies. So where can we find you? Yeah, I was worried that I'd zoned out because I was like, usually you cue me in, but I'm going to cue myself. You just cued me in too. Uh, sorry. You know, it's one of those days. My brain was like leaking out of my ears for a second. I host Saturday Night Terrors, which is a show about terrors on Saturday nights. And basically, I just cue in a bunch of weird shit. Lately, uh, you know, I've done a couple swap offs with you in the past. Uh, we have it's kind of week to week the content. We've had a lot of vampire stuff lately, which is interesting. Uh, I usually don't associate vampires with the summer because usually there's more sunlight. But hey, it's cool. I'm liking it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Graveyard Shift 2 is what you did, um, which I actually like that movie. There's, a, I got to say, you know, that movie there, that's it's the slowest draining when she's like, I just need a pint of blood. And she's buying that girl's hand. She's like, stop. What are you doing? Stop. Stop. Yeah. I don't want you to do the stop. And yeah. it's like, she's a vampire. What do you expect? She's like, she's, she's, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I took too much blood. Well, then no. also, so this last week I did Blood and Donuts, another one. Super weird. Great soundtrack, by the way. Uh, but same kind of stuff where it's it's just like this weird movie that kind of exists with a weird budget. David Cronenberg did a great cameo in it, which is fucking amazing. So we got a lot of cool content. So every Saturday night at 10 p.m. on Roku, check it out. Yeah. And then if you like real cheese mist stuff, um, I just finished it. Aid's book. So, uh, you know, uh, the toxic love from aid. It's it's great. Uh, yeah. Just I recommend it. It's it brings a tear to the eye. Last call, a toxic love story. So definitely check that out by one aid. And uh, for those of you who don't remember, if you buy a copy of AIDS book off of Amazon, you will get access to each and every Patreon bonus episode we've ever recorded, which has a monetary value of <sighs> I've already mentioned Patreon. You can do that. Redbubble. You can do that. Buy some shit. Have some fun designs coming out. Blah, blah, blah. Doug, is there anything that we left off before we let these goons go over today? No, no, I'll let you guys go. And uh, let me just give you the sign of the cross here. It's a one, two, three, four. Now you got the cootie shot. So your guys are good to go. You've been blessed with the cooties. Oh, all, uh, trivia I have to mention. Uh, Lee Wanell's wife insisted on the inclusion of the circle, circle, dot, dot scene where the girl blesses the guy, blah, blah. Goodbye and goodbye. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a circle, circle, dot, dot. You got to see, you got to, I, I blame the coffee for getting, I need, I need Ritalin. This movie proves that one thing I need to take a, a super soaker and just drown in some Ritalin to get my facts straight. 